it's an autograph. It starts with an R. <laughs> yeah. You know. Like, yeah. Like, like, it, it, yeah. Like, Rupert Pupkin, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. You, know, like, you can it, keep it, that. Yeah. It is really Holy interesting. It's like shit. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. <laughs> Everybody. What's going on? It's one fucking hour time. I am Evan Husney, of course. This is the show where we talk about yeah. one movie for one fucking hour. And uh, we are joined uh, by our usual two dudes here. We got Tom Fitzgerald in the house. Tom, what's going on? Hey, everybody. Happy New Year. It's 2023 oh, yeah. uh, with you boys here. That's right. Here we go. Let's get the show back on the road. We said we'd take a little bit of a break, a little hiatus here into January, but here we are, first official episode of the year. Also, welcome back to the show, Mr. Marcus Herring. How you doing, Marcus? What's up, everybody? I'm back. I'm not dead, uh, but <laughs> just want to shout out to my posse. Thanks for the concern, but they, have, they haven't got me yet. So He's fine. You were, you're, you're tanned, rested, and ready, right? You were, yeah. You were well, in Cabo right. for right. a few weeks? Okay. Death Valley, well, yep. We also saved you from not having to watch uh, or be a party to uh, the movie Babylon, which we reviewed I'm as envious. our last episode. So I watched uh, the episode, and yeah, I can't say it was a strong wreck from you guys. Yes, you know? it wasn't a strong endorsement. Although, I will say, before we get into this week's episode, I've had so many people reach out to me and be like, now I'm going to see it. I wasn't going to see it, but now I'm going right. to see it. So I think we inadvertently... Works. We inadvertently sold some tickets, so you're welcome, Babylon. Yeah. Um, we bumped right. up their numbers. We bu- you got it, yeah. Damon. Damien. Yeah. <laughs> Damien Chazelle. Hashtag sponsored. Okay, so uh, all right. Let's get into it. Back in the action here. We're talking about a real-ass movie. Uh, we got episode 53 coming your way. Of course, we're doing that on Martin Scorsese's 1983 film, King of Comedy. Um, all right, guys. I'm going to start that clock if you're all ready. Let's do it. Should we do it? All right, clock is started, and uh, before we get into it, I'm just going to give a little backstory here um, on the flick. All right, so uh, Martin Scorsese's King of Comedy tells the story of Rupert Pupkin. God, that's one of the best names in all of movies. Um, (laughs) It's the best. Uh, Anyway, uh, an autograph hound that lives in his mother's basement, of course, played by Bob De Niro in a totally against type role, uh, underrated in my opinion, Uh, a delusional outsider with lofty dreams of becoming a world-famous comedian uh, who is obsessed with late-night talk show host Jerry Langford, played by a friend of the show, Jerry Lewis, which I'm sure we'll get into. Uh, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And Pupkin is determined to be a guest on his program. But after countless rejections and relentless attempts to get Jerry's attention uh, go super wrong, he resorts to a kidnapping plot in order to achieve his desperate and terrifying 15 minutes of fame. All right, so we talked about, uh, before we hit record, we were just kind of a little bit fascinated at where this movie sits in the Scorsese oeuvre. Um, coming right after Raging Bull and before After Hours. Um, and Tom, you were sort of saying that, you know, this was a time, this was a hard time for old Marty uh, at this time, right? Yeah. Well, from what I've read, um, he was having sort of a nervous breakdown, a physical breakdown, a spiritual breakdown, because uh, he came off his own magnolia. You know, mm. we use the term magnolia to represent uh, the big blowout, clusterfuck movies that are made after the the big films. So Taxi Driver is his Boogie Nights in this case. So um, and then, of course, you know, New York, New York, big bomb, big. It it took his took a lot out of him just to make it. And then it didn't cross the finish line and wasn't well received in that sense. And then he did push through with Raging Bull. But I think that took a lot out of of him, too. I think he was uh, into substance abuse punk rock uh you know like a lot of destructive behavior and he really like tied himself into a knot and uh kind of was you know crawled in in the fetal position into making um the film after raging bull which is this one right and um and it's yeah it's 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 a it's a smaller budget film a smaller scale film i guess in the sense uh for the first time for him um and it's tonally pretty different uh which Mm -hmm. is very interesting followed up by a similar one with uh, After Hours. So that's sort of this early, mid-period Marty that I, I find very interesting. Totally. And in both cases, he's addressing comedy, 
which was kind of new for him too. So yeah, you know, I, I'd read that you know it's like sort of a like you said it's a transitional point in his career where he's looking at you know the the world had changed. It's like this we're well into the eighties. So it's a post Star Wars world. The the 70s like auteur era was like winding to a close and he was having a hard time like the studios were having a hard time justifying like big but giving him like big budget films. So he was doing like an experiment with this size budget experiment with comedy to kind of like, uh, you know, just see how it goes. Like maybe this will be his new path, you know, and it also seems like um, maybe he wasn't like 100 percent sold on doing this picture, but it's like, uh, you know, it's it's De Niro's. De Niro brought the, the movie to him or whatever and, and, and brought it in. Like he's like helping spearhead the project too. Yeah. Right? So. Which weirdly was like in same with raging bull, actually uh, it was to uh, a book and a script uh, that De Niro kept pushing under the nose of Martin Scorsese. He was not that interested in raging bull originally, Yeah. but De Niro was persistent. And the same thing with this 1974 script, right? Uh, what is it, Paul Zimmerman, whatever. And um, it was lying around. They, it's so weird to think they were discussing yay or nay on King of Comedy in like 1974. Yeah, pre tax That would have been a different film. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, if it was if it was made in 1975, it'd be really different for yeah. a few. <laughs> I don't want to see that movie. Kind of. True, true. But yeah, that 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 is the that is the story that I had read as well. That you know, De Niro had was pushing it on Marty in '74. And um, really before they would kind of kick off their, you know, collaboration, you know, that would last forever. So it's interesting to see that he I think he sort of chalks it up as making it as a favor to him in in some ways, you know, but also probably to help find whatever his footing, as you said, was going to be into the 80s. But the 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 scriptwriter, as you said, uh, Paul Zimmerman, I mean, it's really interesting because. You know, from what I've read about the script, you know, he was sort of fascinated, um, you know, looking into the minds of these sort of more fanatical autograph hounds, you know, on the circuit and and really and and to me, that's what I've always found to be interesting about it. Like that's such a unique um, like, OK, here's our protagonist, you know, to really look into yeah. the mind of somebody. And, and we've seen, you know, that character. Uh, or a character like that in culture, uh, you know, continually. We still do the sort well, of outsider. Uh, uh, Limp Biscuits. Fred Durst just uh, took his turn at bat with um, with that oh, one yeah. with John Travolta. I kind of love that movie. What is that oh, called? Holy fanatic. Shit. It changed fanatic. titles. F- fanatic. Yeah. Right. So right. he did it. Even Fred Durst went there. You know. Can I just say? <laughs> I, I gotta say, I think there's a seminal figure in that yeah. period, the early 70s, uh, we can move on, you know, to establish the earth of, of, of where this film was growing from, is uh, the guy who would uh, steal Bob Dylan's garbage. Do you guys mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about? No. Okay. Well, he was he was a guard. I was just reading all about him. He's a garbologist. Was he what he called himself. And he's this crazy Whoa. freaky guy. Yeah, he's like a freaky looking like uh, kind of yippie Abby Hoffman guy who was like, I have every right to dig through, you know, like Bob Dylan's pizza boxes, you know, and it was very <laughs> weird. And he would like show it off and look at it. It was when Dylan was living on McDougal and um, oh yeah, village. So and he became sort of his own weird Meyer celebrity about like the garbage Bob Dylan's garbage man. And but, I think that that probably ignited a lot of thinking. Like, where is this? Where's you know where are fans going here? You know, what I mean? sure, true, yeah. And it's something obviously that we would would be much more pervasive nowadays, which is like. Yeah you have the mom's basement dreamers, the people, and also mixed with that sense of entitlement. Like I, I should be famous. Of course I should be famous, you know, and, and that sort of derangement, um, you know, as the sort of, you know, the phenomenon of celebrity and television grows on and everything. And so that's also fame for its own sake, you know, the Paris Hilton thing. Right. 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 And yeah, that sort of like, uh, Bob Dylan, you know, uh, collector dude reminds me of like the the just the history of just those crazy fans with like i mean jerry lewis and dean martin had them right those like fans that would just chase them after them in the streets the beatles had them mark david chapman that sort of yeah exactly uh, uh uh this is um this movie is like made like hot on the heels of uh of mark david chapman like taking out john lennon well, right? it's, well we maybe just to, to put a button on this the whole setup before we get into the film is there's a, there's a whole circle of life going on here because mm-hmm. of course, Taxi Driver begat John Hinckley's obsession uh, and to Jody Foster, and then he wanted to do a gesture for Jody, aka Iris. Well, explain you know, that a little he, more. You should explain oh, okay. that a little more for people who don't know what you're talking about. Just yeah, all right. So, um, break it well, down. okay. So, uh, yeah, uh, uh, John Hinckley 
uh, eventually in 1981, right when this film was being shot, uh, he uh, tried to assassinate uh, the newly elected um, Ronald Reagan. And his justification was uh, through all these love letters to Jody, he did it for her, you know, and it was he the was same obsessed gesture. with her. Right. I mean, he was right. And it was this, and it was because of Taxi Driver, because of his, her, her character, Iris. Right. And Reagan was a proxy for um, was it Palandine, the politician, huh. fictitious guy in, in Taxi Driver. And so yeah. so it's very weird because it's a weird choice. Actually, I've always felt that Scorsese said, um, I'm going to go all in on this thing that sort of was happening in the in the aftermath of my own film taxi driver you know and, right. was, and it was and it was very topical like this right. film was shot when john hinckley was being arrested and, and on trial and all the revelations and um devo did a song based on his uh, love letters to um jody foster by the way yeah, yeah. so it was it was, was a hot like topic. we were just saying hot last lot when we did taxi driver too we were talking about how that moment brought taxi driver back into into right. the conversation yeah. too and was showing on cable tv yeah. Yeah. and that like the clash that like joe strummer got his mohawk from the from uh the taxi driver character right. and then yeah. the clash are in this movie too I this know. Is weird, like, yeah. like what is going super on weird. super weird <laughs> yeah well well marty loved punk you know bad brains are in after effects after effects, uh, after, after hours, yeah. After yeah. hours. Yeah. yeah bad brains are heard in after hours so like um marty is playing yeah right well my last little thing is just if we're just talking about like Marty's headspace is um, I think, yeah, Raging Bull, I think he's in the trailer and something technical is going wrong and he would scream. He'd come out and go, what is going on? It's taking forever. An entire album side of the Clash album just played, you know, so evidently he would listen to the Clash full volume all day and, and, and pace around, you know, kind of uh, with Bolivian marching powder. You yeah. Know? And so that's where he's coming from. So he's he's out on a limb here himself and just the last thing i'll say too just to again the contextualization with with marty's headspace he was saying in the press at the time he went from identifying with rupert pupkin you know by default like wow. he was more of a rupert guy wow and he said he's become more well in the in this sense hold on the context he's now become more of the jerry langford the jerry right. lewis talk show character right because he's now like you know recognized on the street and he was saying that that was an odd thing for him to have his own sort of you know rock and roll celebrity movie director thing so his identification shifted you know i thought it was yeah. interesting yeah yeah that's that's interesting i mean like that i'd read that too that like the reason he passed on it early is he didn't understand that celebrity you know mm. like he didn't understand what it was like to be a celebrity being chased so it didn't resonate with him like mm. in 74 whatever when he read the script right but by the but post in a post taxi driver world you know people were coming up to him on the street and stuff you know so um, yeah i'm sure he uh he he felt like he identified with it more, and hey, I, it's Marty. funny like <laughs> like right. Jerry Lewis has a bunch of funny interviews like around this film, and one of the things that I was watching he was saying was that um you know that they that both him and De Niro were coming to Jerry to be like, what's it really like to be a celebrity? Yeah, you know, I know, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, because Jerry so is like every you know uh, like uh three out of five people are going to be like Jerry, you know? Yeah, like right. and, and if and if I'm not mistaken. I think some of that footage of Jerry Langford, quote unquote. Yeah, it's real. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, they're the, saying, hey, Jerry. You well, know, the whole they, thing was the whole thing was in the script. I think in the script, his, the character's name is Robert Langford, I think, or something like that. And then uh, they, uh, and then uh, Jerry's like, it should be Jerry. Because then anywhere I right. walk or anything I do, right. they're going to be, hey, Jerry, it's Jerry. You know? I love and, it. And then so That's they great, use that, yeah. you know, for real. And then they also use a lot of his you know, Jerry Lewis's real life experiences like the you should die of cancer, you know, and all that stuff. The old woman yeah, says on the evidently the that phone. happened. Yeah, that happened. Mm -hmm. Things happen. So but it is interesting in hindsight to be like him, you know, Mr. Robert De Niro asking what it's like to be a celebrity to Jerry Lewis. Once, yeah. well, it's all it's all relative, everyone, you know? Yeah. Every once in a while, there's a great like bit of casting like that where the person's story, like real life story informs like the the uh, the character in the movie or like it gives you that stature like. The other one I was thinking of was like, uh, well, Bill Murray in Lost in Translation. Like you, you know, yeah. he's like a celebrity because of that. You know, right? So it, it it has such a huge effect. I mean, I love like when that that little bit of casting does that. I think, I mean, we're gonna talk about Joker. I'm sure, which has oh. unfortunately oh, has a lot right. of unfortunately. Uh, I think that you know, well, just broadly speaking, we all are aware that uh, that Joker is like a 
total like oh. reboot ripoff of this film, right? It's criminal. But, um, no, it's an homage. Marcus, it's an homage. To, it's an homage, right? But he tried <laughs> to do that same sort of casting by putting De Niro as oh. like um, he's now know, Jerry as, as the host, right? Yeah, but it's yeah. but it just it doesn't. I mean, I feel like. That's what he was hope would happen is that it would have the same impact of Jerry Lewis playing Jerry Langford. But really, it feels like he's just using it as a shield, like against criticism that he fucking ripped off this movie. You exactly. know what I mean? Because yeah. the people will be like, hey, you stole, you ripped off uh, King of Comedy. He's like, well, hey, I put, uh, I put, I told everybody I was doing that and I put the no, I think, on the lead I think he wants to, the film to be standing next to King of Comedy and Taxi Driver. Well, he's a douchebag. Well, sadly, so, it is now. So, like, you know, we have to talk about it because, let's talk about you know, it. Just a, just a few weeks ago, yeah. we did, oh, I hate this movie. And uh, Joker <laughs> was, of course, in the lineup. Yeah. And um, it, it is obscene to have to even think about it. But the, that film with this film. But um, yeah. unfortunately, culture is moving in that direction. And it's becoming pretty interchangeable. If you Google King of Comedy 1983, you're going to a lot of times get Joker hits. And it's very sad. And it's a sign of uh, the decline of Western civilization. <laughs> Part two. Yeah. That, that there's any association. Yeah. Association I, I, I just, yeah. I mean, to me, it's like, I don't want to belabor it, Bogdan, because I do want to talk a lot about, you know, King of Comedy. But, right. you know, it, to me, to me, it's really criminal because... You know, King of Comedy is not a very well-known movie to begin with. You know, it is a it is a gem, or it's a you know, it's beneath the surface. It's one layer down. It's not a, a household name movie. You know, and so to really borrow a lot, and I'm talking about a lot from that movie, and to call it your own, and then now to yeah, now to have this movie, which is an interesting you know gem, curio, whatever you want to call it, had the stink of that awful movie and fucking Joaquin Phoenix's Tai Chi fucking dancing or whatever is horrible. And that's really cursed. Yeah. Crime. It's a crime. Well, you know what? Let's work on, you know, stemming the tide of that and talk about the thing that should be talked about in its own context is KOC, baby. KOC, baby. All right. So, um, all right. Yeah. So, so what do we want to dive into first here? I mean, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, um, I mean, first off the bat, I mean, you know, as I mentioned with De Niro, it's a, you know, this is a really um, against type, you know, performance for him at, at that time. You know, something like, you know, obviously he was, you know, look at, you know, Jake LaMotta, you know, this incredibly, yeah. you know, masculine, you fuck my wife. You know, it's a crazy performance. <laughs> and to go into Rupert Pupkin, you know, as I was saying earlier, this sort of delusional outsider, yeah. you know, king, king shit in the autograph world, um, you know, right. is is a pretty harsh transition. <laughs> and, I, and I think he's doing it pretty well here. But go on. Well, I mean, uh, I think uh, the, the delineation for me, because I vaguely remember when this did come out, that it was a De Niro you've never seen before in this sense, right. that he's playing um, ugly, pudgy, schlubby, and jokey, you know, to mm-hmm. hit like, like, hey, I just want to tell you a few jokes. Can I show you my pride and joy? That was yeah. pretty violently different and weird because De Niro is, it was known as intense more than anything, you know, like kind of a Brando-esque relatively speaking, sure. kind of person, you know, it was mm-hmm. kind of myth, uh, mythos, like he's up high and he only does like big dramas and big, deep films. And he's doing like, I'm a little jerk and I'm telling jokes about, Emma! you know, like, 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 <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it was uh, very shocking. That's what I remember because, you know, as time went on, I mean, hell, Robert De Niro's career, he wound up doing like, you know, meet the parents and shit. Right, so, right, right. So it all comes out in the wash for his whole career but at the time it was very shocking to see him look uh like fugly and plain and loud and to play a moron he and never cringe. i mean you know yeah, yeah cringe. And cringe no but like jake lamont is like kind of a brute he's kind of an ape you know he's kind yeah. of an animal but this guy's like a stupid jackass who you're like oh no i'm stuck with him in line or something and he's gonna tell me <laughs> jokes you know it's like yeah, yeah, just yeah. A, just a total piece of shit uh, nobody yeah. from the tri-state area and uh and that's brilliant i think yeah. and that's awesome yeah, yeah. and i'm glad that he wanted to take a, a bite out of that kind of character and it is so different and he kills it you know he he, he embodies that in a frightening way yeah. uh like and just the one thing i'll say and i'll totally shut up is my revelation was he's never really a person, Rupert Pupkin. He's always rehearsing and right, performing. Right, exactly. So, That's what I was actually thoughts? what I was going to say is that he he just just real quick and I'll throw it to you, Marcus. He has this whole facade, you know, that he's constantly performing and then he's putting on and he's he's portraying this persona he's created for himself. This this whole fantasy. I'm sure we'll get into the fantasy aspect of this movie as well too. But you do get a little hint of you know uh, disturbing, dark. 
uh, Travis Bickle-esque, uh, you know, anger and darkness. You get a little brush of it. Obviously, well, you know, in this in this one scene um, and the context of it is that he keeps going into, you know, Jerry Langford's office trying to get, you know, Jerry to listen to his demo tape, which is amazing. Great stuff. And, Great um, stuff. and then finally he gets, uh, you know, one of the producers in the show to listen to it. And she's like, ah, it's, you know, it needs some work. We'll see on the club circuit or whatever. You know, I think it needs a lot of work. And then he starts to disagree with her. And then when he starts to disagree with her and starts pushing and pushing and pushing, you really do see that, like, that that moment where he gets real, that whole facade cracks and he gets, like, real yeah. dark. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, that scene yeah, where... Yeah, 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 and, and that, that's... So, so you do get a little little brush of that. But Marcus, what were you going to say? Yeah, no, I think there's there's actually... A, just, to, just to spin off of that, there's a little bit of that and the deleted scenes too there's like 30 minutes of deleted scenes i'll probably talk wow. about it a couple times but a lot of extended scenes you know because there's a lot of improv in this movie like scorsese wanted to do like a lot of improv and i think it shows with some of the, a lot of the performances but um there they go with uh, uh so that makes the, all these extended scenes is what i'm saying but um right there's there's a little bit of a hint of that violent character uh of de niro in, a, in one of the extended scenes that they clipped out and it's mm. at rita's bar and he has a con- the character Rupert like, has a conflict with another guy who's like hitting on Rita there. Oh, and actually, the guy comes over to uh, and like knocks him. Uh, wait, I think I think Rupert falls out of his chair or something, and then oh. um, the guy comes over to like muscle over to him. And then when the guy's back's turned, he hits him with the stool. Now it's not like executed very well. You can tell that's what probably part of the reason why they cut it out. Like the, the mm. whole the directing, the blocking is just not really right. working. But but he knocks the Rupert knocks the guy out. You know, and then goes on to like continue the scene. So there is like a little hmm. bit of like wow. they might have been wanting to do more of that, a little bit more of the violence, a little bit more taxi driver, a little bit more of that. De Niro. Hmm. I don't know if it was part of the script or if there's just something they tried hmm. or what. You know, but it seems like they wanted to. They kind of played footsie with it, and of course, you know, Rupert is capable of of violence he is dangerous you know yeah. like he's got that fucking gun he's like dropping in the middle of the street you know he's like, oh yeah you know what's a great moment kidnap somebody you know? yeah, so. exactly so you know speaking of the kidnapping one moment i liked that shows like you know some good rupert darkness as we're talking about here <laughs> is um jerry's jerry's being very rational with him and pleading with him you know right before like jerry's gonna go sorry yeah uh, it's gonna go yeah to, to the to the tv studio and he's like listen I'll forget about this. Nobody's perfect. You know, like, like, let me just go, we'll go back. I'm sorry. Yeah. We'll and, play then, a and then Rupert's just like, no. And he just like extra ties him up. And I just <laughs> yeah. and it's like a shot from above. And it's just like, yeah. uh, that's chilling because like, he's saying no to um, a way out of this and uh, being rational. And it also mm-hmm. shows that he doesn't care about Jerry because Jerry was, uh, you know, trying to be fake in his own way to get out of the situation and kind of speak person to person and from the heart to heart, you know, it's not about that. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And it was totally rejected by Rupert because, you know, the man is on a mission, you know what I mean? Yeah. He doesn't like, he's, he's trying to like, you know, he, he supposedly worships Jerry Langford. Right. But like really he doesn't care about him at all. He's no. just trying to I use him to stair him. step him. He He's actually, yeah, I mean, he actually wants to, yeah. he actually he wants, wants to, to take him. his job. He wants to right. beat him and take his job and have him be coming to him, crawling to him, asking for, uh, you know, and one of those great stuff. Oh, that <laughs> fantasy. That's one of my favorite shits is the fantasy. Six weeks. Where he, where sorry. Six weeks. You mean? I mean, what? Six weeks. I'll give you anything, but don't ask me to do six weeks. I can't take over the show for six weeks. I can't even take over my own life for six weeks. Yeah, exactly. And oh, it's right. just like, that's so well done. That's some killer acting. to because... take over the show for six weeks. Yeah, right? six, you know weeks great? Like a... six weeks. Six weeks? <laughs> you want me six weeks? I get yeah, exactly. you, you, you know what's really great? I'll give you six weeks. I want to compliment um, uh, De Niro <laughs> in one sense. This is some really weird, trippy acting uh, c- conception. He did a great job acting. Yes. As Rupert. Yes. In Rupert's fantasy. I know. And, and, I know. And I you know. get a different Rupert in his fantasy. Yeah. And he's yeah, more like. True. And he's more like. He's more kind of good fellas in a sense. He's more. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. He's only giving six. I can't do six weeks. It's like six yeah, weeks. He's like, like a vet. And it's like, hey, you busting my balls here. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. And it's incredible. That's that's You're actually right. some genius stuff. Uh, some levels. That, that is great. Yeah. No, totally. Absolutely. It's his character doesn't seem to ever listen like the real Jerry a real Rupert. Sorry. doesn't ever seem to listen to anybody. People are all like you said, he's always performing. 
he never hears what the other person's saying that Jerry's telling no. him like politely to go away. The cops are telling him he's under arrest. Like he's <sighs> yeah. never listening to anybody. You know, he's yeah. always just not his girlfriend. Like his girlfriend like he, is or the, the lady friend is saying like, um, I think Jerry says you think she should oh, go. And he's just jumping like the gun. shutting her down. Yeah. Yeah. We got to get into yeah. that scene in a minute. But uh, if I, if okay. I can, if I can, I'm so sorry, just cause I'm looking at the clock and there's a lot I know. to talk about. That's brutal. Is um, uh, just while we're, mentioning the lady friend character let's just talk about her real quick for a second here so 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 rita the character of rita um obviously you know this film you know she's a love interest and she's also part of his obsession as well too and one thing to me it's like that scene where uh you have rupert and rita having this sort of date at this chinese restaurant to me is one of the most uh disturbing scenes in the in the movie in the entire movie for me because (laughs) you're saying something well, it, which is saying something, but 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 because you because you already know he's delusional at that point, you know you already know what's going on. You don't fully know everything, but you've already mm-hmm. you already have a good idea, and then you sort of learn that ooh, she was a high school crush, you know, that he's been obsessed o- o- over for decades, you know. I know, and like that's always a red flag number one. Um, and then you know, just like the whole his whole speech about loving her and wanting to change her life and. You know, and then of course, like you know, of her knowing everything about him and saying, you know, oh, it's just it's so. To me, that's just a that just says so great. much in in such a great way, you know, to further how really pathetic this character is. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. And of course, you gotta love uh, the more scribbled the name, the bigger the fame. Sorry. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, well, so can, maybe yeah. just can we shoehorn like a little love for like a this is an OG cringe movie. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. We were just talking about that too before we hit record. It was yeah. just like it's like Albert Brooks, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Andy Kaufman, a couple others. But this is a major cringe cinematic statement. You know, like yeah. like, and that scene is is one of them where it's like uh, it's he's one of like, the first. It's an autograph. It starts with an R. <laughs> yeah, you know, like yeah, like, like it, 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 it's yeah. like Rupert Pumpkin. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. you know, like you it, can it, keep it, that. Yeah. It is really interesting. It's like shit. It's like it's so uncomfortable. There's no, not really the joke. The joke is like just how uncomfortable it keeps rolling, you know. And like, it does seem like this movie was inspired people. I did read something from, um, you know, I was thinking about the Office, the British Office, a lot when I was watching this. Yeah. And uh, how how it's sort of like King of Comedy plus Spinal Tap. You know, it's like the British Office, but um. And, and so I looked it up and Stephen Merchant, you know, like Ricky Gervais, his like writing partner, was talking about how this was like something that was definitely big wow. in their minds. It was like, wow, they, right they on. wanted it to be have dead time, cool. you know, and like just and have things be uncomfortable and that that would be what the world. Can I just say were. comedians love I mean, duh, comedians love King of Comedy because it's depicting comedians yeah. kind right. of. The but darkness. also they just love it because, um, you know, like a lot of comedians are very dark are very dark you know what i mean like uh um uh, opie and anthony with um jim norton like they used to talk about it every other episode basically and and they had sound cues of rupert pupkin's laugh when someone said something stupid you know like that's terrific (laughs) you know so like so yeah comedians um and 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 i'll I'll just mention this now is uh, louis ck was on opie and anthony once and he pointed out the scene you're talking about evan and said that there's a very strange detail where uh when when uh oh. rupert is gesturing to his girl at the table in the background right. is a man you all might recognize because he's in uh goodfellas he's maury from maury's wigs and he's in reality robert de niro's realtor you know who would find him real estate property and for some reason um uh, uh, uh you know uh, de niro said like man you should be in movies and for some reason though and this is what louis ck picked up on is take a look at King of Comedy, everybody. There's a time when the the Maurice Wiggs guy is gesturing just like what Robert's doing in yeah. and he's doing it in the background with 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 De Niro in the foreground. It's very weird. Side note, Pauline Kale actually pointed that out in her review in 1983. That's so weird. Which is that blew my fucking mind. I read that yeah. last night. And um, she was saying that it's a sign that there's kind of a surreal off-kilter tone to the entire film she, she's i'm paraphrasing but she's saying like is this film ever really setting foot in reality 
Like, what is this world that it's in? I mean, there's overt fantasy sequences, but the whole film's a little off, including like Jerry's sort of stylized uh, time when he comes home to his apartment. Mm -hmm. He's watching some weird uh, 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 40s movie where someone's stealing something and putting it in their pocket. And then that happens later with uh, De Niro's date in the country house. So I'm blabbing, but I'm just saying that um, it's it's an Maurice Wiggs guy is an example of this kind of off kilter like space where Surrealism. it feels yeah. unreal. I, can, I think I can shed some light on that from the deleted scenes. <laughs> more, Ooh, uh, more shit. Deleted scene Jones here. <laughs> yeah, more shit that ended up in the cutting room floor. <laughs> but right, right. I think because there is a lot of surreal stuff in this movie. I do want to talk about that. I yeah, think yeah. that that one might be just like a, a result of cutting out like a side plot or something because. Oh. In the deleted scene, there's a really weird Maurice guy is all over. Holy He's got his own shit. separate location scene. Shut like, uh, yeah. what? I'll try to be brief, but um, he he gets she Rita gets a phone call from like uh, the, the the Chinese restaurant, like the and and uh, that's like I want to talk to the woman in red, and she goes, and it's fucking Maury is sitting at the side at the other uh, phone and he's like, Hey, I'm the guy that was like winking at you earlier. And she's like, she's kind of laughing like, Oh really? And then he's like, I want to go out for a drink. And so she leaves De Niro to go like on a date with this guy. Maury's wigs. Maury's wigs. De Niro follows him because she's basically, she's kind of like a hustler, I guess, you know, she's Mm, doing whatever she can to get by. And so, He's like on a date with him, but things get weird. He pulls out like a dildo at one point. It's so king of dildo. So yeah, so it's like Maury's like Maury's dildo. It's a whole separate Maury's dildos. And De Niro's uh, Rupert follows him there and starts calling all the numbers in the on the house to see like is Rita there? there? (laughs) So I think I don't know like where it ends. Like, but uh, uh, that was like a side plot that I'm not sure if it was supposed to flesh out Rita. You know, maybe give more backstory to her right, maybe. or give maybe to throw Maury a bone because they thought he was such a dynamo. You know, I'm not well, sure. Bob loved Bob had said he said star potential, basically, you know, and he, he oh got him a big God. role in Goodfellas. That is mind blowing. We should probably move on, though. <laughs> well, can I not even because even we haven't seen the deleted scenes. In much I know, but I got to I, I want to throw something right onto that real wow. quick and we can this will dove. This <laughs> will. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um <laughs> This will this will transition into another character I want to just briefly touch on as well too in the hour, um, but the sort of lack of backstory where you as the audience are sort of putting together, you know, mm. like you know Rita and Rupert's sort of connection in high school, but one mm-hmm. other connection that's not really explained at all and leaves it all up to the imagination is the connection between Rupert Pupkin and Sandra Bernhardt's character Masha, mm. um, which which to me like you get these little. And I'm sure the deleted scenes shine more on this, of course. But there, oh, there, there, there is, there is, um, you get, you get little hints of it, you know. And I love to imagine what their origin story and what their history is. Did they date? Were they yeah. together at one point? What was right. going on? Because right. there, you know, she's a weird character. The fact that she's like this rich girl, mm-hmm. um, you know, you don't. It's like really, the, you only get that. But then you also understand that there was this one time they had at a Howard Johnson's that she mm-hmm. mentions and giving him, you know, like delivering yeah. him coffee or something. Like, what the fuck is up with that? You know? Yeah. Um, well, she was. Well, title he card is poor. Sets- Oh, I was gonna say I love how the title card sets up that relationship. You know, it's just her hands in the window and him peeking in. You know, I'd love. That's a great shot with the song oh. kicks in. It's such an un, unusual shot, but it like it's it's awesome to look at, and it does it serves a great story purpose. So, you yeah, know, that's anyway. one of the few sort of classic Marty flourishes is the yeah. title sequence, and what I mean by that is like seen later in you know the '90s, Goodfellas and Casino. It's very dramatic. He, like when that song cue kicks the. F- Fuck in on that freeze frame. Yeah. That that really got because I'd forgotten that when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, that's really effective in that song. It lets it play out that Ray Charles shit. Um, yeah, yeah, but, uh, it, yeah. But it's it's ahead. like Sorry. well, I was just gonna say, but yeah, it's like just like the, their relationship. I don't know. To me, just I think leaves a lot to you know sort of infer. You know, in terms of you know where they're headed and she's a very unusual character in this movie (laughs) for someone like her like someone who's you know this rich sort of person to be obsessed and in love with someone like jerry and you know i have to say that i know what she she probably had daddy issues yeah oh daddy 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 come on 
stepdad. Well, we'll <laughs> inside joke here on the show, but we'll yeah. also, well, you know, but the fact that she makes a little red sweater for him and stuff and everything too. I right. mean, who the fuck thought of that? You know, and yeah, writing this fucking script. It sounds anyway. It she, sounds like a slice of life, though, like a stalker. Yeah. Like I could see a poor little rich girl in New York City who just yeah. gets fixated one day. You know, because she yeah. probably, you know, she probably had parents who were, uh, you know, very, um, you know, absent. You know, and, and like, just have a nanny, yeah. and then but she would watch. Guess what? Every night, Jerry Langford would be there on TV, mm-hmm. and kind of tuck her in. You know, just weird pathology. It's, you know, it is weird like that. They don't go more into her. I think that's one of the things. Like one of my, you know, bones with the film. I to pick. I think is Whoa. like that. You know, it feels not. <laughs> it feels a little like unshapely in some areas. Like we go really deep into Rupert. And then Sandra Bernhardt's character, not so much, but then she becomes a really big character at the end and you spend a lot of time with her. So I was left with those questions too, that you're, that you're, that you're bringing up Evan. And I think it's a weird thing to walk away from is to kind of, it feels like a little bit like, uh, like there's a like a puzzle piece missing or something, which I don't think is a great feeling in a movie always, you know, something that's kind of on a, on a fundamental level like that. But I do think that Sandra Bernhardt, is like she really gooses the second half. I like her performance when it's just her and Jerry together in that moment, and she's like improving those lines. And like some of the only the some of the lines that made me laugh out loud in the movie yeah. were like or her improving those lines, saying like, "Yeah, you know, like I want to tell you everything about myself, and yeah, I want to lift yeah. it on the Shirelles. I want to be yes. black or whatever. Yeah. All the things yeah. that she's saying. Put on some it's like Tina it's so Turner. I wish I was Tina Turner, just dancing through the room." <laughs> just put well, that's like right, that, that you yeah. know is right out of her like you know yeah. like one woman show you know absolutely yeah yeah, but yeah. if i can just be uh the bad guy here for just two seconds is i don't mind her in general i don't mind that performance those lines that improv with jerry who's stoic which is hilarious he's just sitting there and this woman's going crazy and he's just like staring blankly but i didn't really take to the cross cutting because I think that it kept undercutting the build towards For him Pumpkin. getting, you know, yeah, yeah. So I was just like, and I was also trying to figure out the logic of it, you know, rationally, like what, what are we, what am I to get out of this cross cutting other than just like mm-hmm. they're in this passage location. of time. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think I, yeah. I, I will say I, I, yeah, I, I will agree. With, I mean, I, I love this movie. It's one of my favorite of Scorsese's movies, but <clears throat> Just because for how unique it is among his movies, and and you also mentioned earlier about the freeze frame, uh, and how that's a real Marty flourish that that pops at you right there. Uh, but this movie, to me, also has it shows a lot of restraint for Scorsese too, mm-hmm. because it isn't mm-hmm. it isn't going over the top, and it isn't wouldn't you know isn't quite mm-hmm. in his sort of you know sort of you know music video e or rock it's far rock star from wolf time. of wall street oh yeah exactly mm-hmm. no for sure but mm-hmm. to go back to sandra bernhardt uh and those scenes you're talking about i do agree that i think they go back to the well maybe one time too many uh where you're starting to feel it you're starting to feel uh you know sandra and jerry lewis their their little set piece i think it happens maybe one to two times too many uh, where I, I do agree with you, we should be focused on the ramping of you know the tension that's yeah. supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Maybe even I just like cut it, it down. Something right. It doesn't go we'll anywhere either. Out. Ultimately, yeah. like he gets away, Jerry gets yeah. away or whatever. But um, yeah, it, there's there's some moments where like where Jerry and uh, has been talking about things that he wanted to do with the film. It must have been hard on set with like Scorsese, Jerry Lewis, oh, God, I and know. De Niro, like, like one of the big egomaniacs. All- well, but he's yeah. really the big egomaniac of all time. Jerry yeah, Lewis. and they're all oh, trying right. to steer the ship, right? And they're all, you know, but um, he said that he was, he he, he did take a backseat, but I think he he contri- obviously contributed stuff. He talked about mm. how um, the uh, the woman yells like you should get cancer. Like apparently he directed that moment, oh, you know, and told her yeah. what to do. And right. he was, I think he was throwing around a lot of comedy timing, like trying to like school Sandra Bernhard and stuff. Like, no, I heard okay, he was so cruel to her. Count to he three was... and then say, it. yeah, she oh, she actually wow. says something in the in the Letterman interview with her. He's like, how'd you get along with Jerry Lewis? And you can tell she's kind of like. Oh, I love him. You know, she's, yeah. she's being like hammy, right, like right. snarko. There's definitely some conflict. But one of the things he said was he wanted her to like, 
he wanted a big ending for her. He wanted like to smack her and have her flip over backwards and hit hit the candles and the glass table and fall over and stuff. He wanted like a big pratfall from her wow. to like end that scene, which I think is actually a good instinct. Like there's a big button on that scene, but it was just a low budget movie. There's no stunt person. She would have had to do it herself. She's in her fucking underwear there. You know, I, I, I like her running naked. Or, you know, almost naked in the street though. After yeah. him, I thought yeah, that was yeah. actually a good ending for that moment. That was a little I, I, real. I, I, I think I think it got a little real in that moment <laughs> where I think he yeah. was. I think I think because uh, you know Jerry Lewis, I think is in total playing Jerry Lewis uh, autopilot, which we yeah. should talk about too. If we're well, I was just going to say we're running out of time. Let's pivot to what I think is maybe the best thing about the film, which is this killer Jerry Lewis performance. Yeah. And my only note is, and I'll just open it up to you guys, is just. For me, Jerry is killing me every time because he's doing this deadpan rage, you know, <laughs> it like and just his face where it's like, it's you know, uh, not only um, Bernhardt, but also De Niro are like, you know, acting, acting, you know, in character and, you know, in part mm-hmm. of his plot. And like they're like performing and everything. And then Jerry's just stoically like, get out, you know, yeah. and it feels so true to him. Like, you know that this is like second nature for him to dress somebody (laughs) down with Mm -hmm. cutting, ugly, deadpan bitterness. And so, yeah, he he steals the movie for me. It's he's he's, um, hypnotizing to watch. And and again, Jerry, here's my quick side note, is the same year he made the most earth shatteringly stupid, insane, psychotic (laughs) film ever, not just Jerry Lewis film, but he uh, but of all time, we covered this about last year for my birthday. Cracking up was made around this time and came out around this time so he, he he's he's got this great performance and he really is in command of his face his body his gestures very subtle like marty's being subtle jerry's being subtle and then total side note cracking up is this insane yeah, monster insane. of goofy <laughs> uh blankness and it's a moment yeah you can yeah, you know, count on as we keep you know ending every show with is is a jerry moment there you go. That's what I'm saying. So it's the same guy. It's the two faces of Jerry. That's so you know? weird. I saw I saw an interview where he's like he's talking about both movies, talking about Scorsese King of Comedy and Smorgasbord. Double feature. <laughs> double feature <laughs> at uh, one fucking hour th- cinema. Watch it's him incredible. at the same time. Yeah, maybe maybe that be better. His, his yeah. performance is stellar. It's so real. It yeah, feels real. And I think it's I think it's so real that I think it does impact the other ones a little bit. I feel like it makes. De Niro's more cartoonish and less real. Yeah, and Sandra Bernard is already over the top, but I think, and I, I could, I was, I was thought I was detecting a little bit of in those interviews with Jerry. I thought I was detecting a little bit of him criticizing De Niro's performance, like going like, "Well, I wouldn't have, you know, I could never go that big. Well, I shouldn't say big. I should say, you oh. know, loud." Or so he he does give a little bit. He, Okay. I feel like he maybe he was giving a little bit of critique, like he wasn't a hundred percent on board. Wow. But he, he was just praising, Interesting. you know, Bob is like a genius or whatever. But he also uh, kind of well, like, you know what it is. You, you know, we talked about this last week or whatever it was. Uh, Evan was um, this is an interesting thought. Is I was I was saying that uh, the word in the street with 1941 uh, back then, all those guys, you know, in, in the school, of, you know, the uh, Spielberg was in, were saying, "Wait, Stephen made a comedy. He's right, not right, funny." Right. <laughs> And yeah. I got to say, is Marty funny? I mean, Marty can be funny, you know, and of course, Goodfellas has very funny moments and stuff. But like, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, or especially early on, it's like, it's kind of shocking. Like, wait, Martin is trying to make a, a movie with comedy and De Niro is trying to be funny. And I know it's cringe funny and it's like anti-funny and meta funny, but like um, they are dipping into Jerry's house is i guess all i'm really trying to say yeah he lives there and that must have been strange for him to to kind of maybe look at them like so this is what you guys think like the 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 architecture (laughs) of comedy is now on the other hand his jerry is insane and awful very quite often in his comedy yeah but i'll give him credit he does know how comedy works yeah yeah for sure he does know that and can i just point out and i'll totally shut up even for the rest of the podcast my jerry moment is and and this is i think where jerry and uh de niro work well together is the cue card reading scene oh yeah where jerry it's super hardcore jerry uh, like deadpan it's total no he's just like the cue card is uh it's upside down yeah Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah, yeah. that that shreds guys and that's really good 
back and forth between those two guys. And he's being a yeah. big foppish fool, De Niro. Like the card's upside down. It's in the wrong order. And he's like... Um, Classic. The, the card is blank. You know, and he's just yeah. so deadpan trying to get through yeah. this. Yeah. That's all. As long as we're doing favorite Jerry's, like mine is... Um, and it takes a little bit of the backstory or the behind-the-scenes intel to appreciate. But um, the, the part where he comes back... Jerry Langford comes back to his house that's been invaded by Rupert and Rita. Um, the the butler oh. takes this John out, like struggles to open the door. And I guess like it, it was one of those things where like he, the, the actor really was having trouble opening the door and they're all improving. So, you know, if he finally gets the door open and, and Jerry's like, what, uh, what the hell are you going to open the door? I've been out there, I've been sitting out there for eight minutes or Dude, whatever. And he's got incredible. like, you can open the goddamn door. Mr. Langford. Dude, it's a great moment. To dude, like, that that moment was yeah. when I, I watched it just earlier. I'm like, that's a little too real, you know. Like that was <laughs> exactly. real Jerry coming through there. For like sure. he didn't even know the cameras were rolling. Like just yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Exactly. I think he's just in the moment, like improving, like you know, do and just flow, going with the flow. You know? Absolutely, guys. Or that yeah. you know that's the real face of Jerry well, fucking Lewis. Yeah, it is. That's the man right there. It's probably, you know. 10 times worse than that but anyway all right so yeah. let's let's while we while we've arrived at that scene let's talk about it uh to me it's one of my favorite f- scenes in the whole flick is where you know of course rupert brings rita out uninvited to uh jerry langford's summer home um and that that scene man is 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 it's the f- it's the funniest it's the most awkward it's the most cringe but it's also the scariest scene in some ways too yeah, you know yeah. in terms again it's really tense i mean it's super tense when you know he you know obviously we're oh my god we're here we're in jerry's home and the you know butler guys you know flipping out and he does an incredible job too like i'm having a heart attack you know and all that yeah. stuff but then also when when rita starts to you know turn on the records have a drink you know, steal something or whatever. Like, oh yeah. shit, man! It's it's and then of course just the performance of Jerry in that scene when he's dressing him down, and the way he handles it too, where like he doesn't quite yell at them or you know, Mm-mm. at first he kind of indulges it a little bit, you know, and then and then waits for that perfect moment just to be like, get the fuck out right. of here, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's great. It's an incredible scene. It's an incredible scene. Yeah, I think you're right. Tense. Is yeah. a good word for it. It's cringe and tense, which doesn't yeah. happen all the yeah. time. It's right. a nice reaction, combo. The, his reaction is what builds the tension. You know that they are just kind of like playing, goofing around in that world, and he, we just don't we don't see his reaction yet. So it builds up the intent. You know, mm-hmm. it builds up our anticipation of like what's going to happen. And shout out to her. Uh, what's her name? Right. Diane Abbott. You know, the character yeah. uh, of, the, of the lady friend of, of Rupert. Um, she's playing this uh, different, she has a different context. And in a way, she's the most sane person in that moment in the, in the film, kind of. Uh, you know, because she's just immediately, re- the, the, she does some nice stuff with her face where she's just observing Jerry dressing him down. Right. And, you know, like with the slow burn. And, uh, and of course, Rupert's response to the slow burn of like, I despise you, I hate you, you know, is yeah. he's like, hey, what's going on? Hey, don't talk about my lady like that. Well, I was going to say that. And All like, right. and the, her face, it starts falling. Yeah. Because she's like, this is worse than I thought it was 10 seconds ago. Right. And now, you know, it's just getting worse yeah. and worse and worse. We were so not invited. Right. But even mm-hmm. worse than not invited. Right. Da, 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 da. And then, and then yeah. it, it, it gets really comp. It great. gets even, it adds a whole nother layer because you as the viewer too, it's like you're watching someone like her just be completely humiliated, like yeah, totally, completely humiliated. And in that moment, you just said too, where Jerry looks at uh, Bob and said, or Rupert and says, um, Did anyone ever tell you you're a moron? You know, or whatever. And then that's when he's like, well, I didn't want you to talk to Rita like that. You know, and then yeah. it just like makes it so I, I, much. I can't even look worse. at it. I'm like, it's, I, I look away. I'm like, that is so rough. It's you know, rough. like, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Rita, yeah. Rita's got her own issue. And she's, she does steal that thing, like you said, right? And then yeah, she's, she's poor, like down whatever. on her luck. And I know she's also kind of like a, a call girl. I think we're supposed to like not, I think she's supposed to be kind of rough around the edges too. I think that there's supposed to be, Characters are supposed no. There's not supposed to be no redeeming characters in this movie. You know, I feel like that was the intention. I don't know if they landed it, but I think that's right. where they what they wanted to have happen. Because, I mean, Rupert has no no good quality. He's not funny. He's dangerous. He really doesn't. You know, yeah. like uh, which is a very Rita, bold thing to do. 
That's yeah. such your the lead detail character. They put in about Rita feels like something that they wanted her to like not be a perfect character. Sandra Bernhard's really like get away from me. And yeah. then Jerry's a despicable person. Right. <laughs> I know. It's very bitter and dark. Well, I, you know, here's my Pauline Kale shout out. She said basically what you're saying. And she didn't take to it, though. She was like, like, what is the audience supposed to do where everyone is just irredeemable in their own stripe, you know, their own way? And if we can, we're running out of time. If, if you guys don't mind, I'd like to talk about what I think is a, a kind of a bumpy ride, which is the ending of the film. And just to open it up to your thoughts, because uh, I, I entertain the thought that and I want to hear what you're saying on this is, are we seeing a less and less realistic portrayal of the circumstances as this film goes on to the point where at the very end, you know, like Rupert Pupkin is sitting in a mental hospital in reality, but what we're seeing on the screen is him like, all right, everybody, you're a great audience. And let's just like, cause we do see him having fantasies. There are, you know, articulated, yeah. you know, so is the film sh shifting? And that's the theory taxi driver. Some people say, where, where, where Sybil Shepherd wants to get back with him after he shoots all the, you know, the mobsters is like, uh, is a that fantasy. a fantasy? Is that real? Yeah. So yeah. what do you guys right. think? Well, 50, well, yeah, 50 percent of all theories seem to be like it was a dream, <laughs> you know, or it was a fantasy. You know, taxi like, driver. Just, just like in just in general, there's well, always film like a you film. About? any film ever. People are always oh, like, was it all a dream? You know what I mean? Oh. That's always the kind of go to thing. The Wizard but of Oz is, story. Yeah, right. But there is like a. Um, there, there is something weird in this movie where like I got lost for a second because there is the, the the fantasies early on they're very clearly delineated like right. when he's when he he's imagining himself out to lunch with Jerry Six but weeks. um when they first get on the the train to go out there together and she's all got a wig on and like uh, Rita's got a wig on yeah. and they're like going to Jerry's house I thought that was a fantasy for a second up to the point when they arrived at John huh. and John opened the door I was going like, is this a, is this him like imagining this weekend happening? It took me a while for it to real, and I had to run it back to catch. I don't know if I just got distracted think, for a second, but I was having a problem with that too. So I, I don't know. Maybe it could be a. I'm not saying you have a problem with it. I'm just saying like that's an I'll interesting thought. Not a problem, but I just got lost for a second. More is this unreal? Yeah, is this always like moment. got an eye on the unreal? Well, for me, yeah. for me, I've seen this movie many, many, many times, and uh, <clears throat> over the years. And I would say for most of the times I've seen it up until just this most recent viewing, I've always looked at it as more of a fantasy. The ending where we see the little, you know, news mm. package um, mm -hmm. about, you know, his success after getting released from jail. This time, however, when I watched it, I really was, I don't know, it hit me in a way where it was like, you know what? This feels because maybe maybe it's the world we live in today. I don't know. Maybe this was resonating more with the way things are today and how everything works on social media and all. Also, like you know, mass shooters and freaky people that are yeah. out there lurking. That mm -hmm. it's actually darker of an ending if it's real. You know, if if yeah. if that's really what did sure. happen, yeah, is that he he comes out of jail as a celebrity and everyone embraces that him. kind of reality should only be a sick man's fantasy. Right, yeah. you know but I mean? that should not be on Earth. But it's Can not. I just real. say though, because yeah. it's not a fantasy. Because right. people do commit crimes right. and get paid for them. Right, that's right. what I'm no, saying. No, it's yeah. true. It's so true. One thought is the thing that comes to mind a lot is the film Network. Yeah, you guys are familiar with that. No, yeah, it sure. you know it ends where a guy who's uh, clearly unstable, mentally ill, you know, uh, for ratings, he's shot to death on TV, and it's a kind of a broad you know, takedown of like uh, TV culture. And this film, uh, King of Comedy, is 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 of a stripe of uh, TV, television takedown cinema being there, you know, where Peter Sellers yeah. is basically, his whole brain Real is life. just television. Yeah. Sure, yeah, right. And then yeah. Simon, uh, too, did that, where there's a cult uh, of worshipers of the television, very obscure, mm. Alan Arkin, Simon. Whoa. And then this one, and, and of course, Network, too. And so I, for me, though, I hope that it's not reality simply because it feels less fresh than a pure disturbing fantasy world because it feels like a little bit of a dated like uh, takedown by sophisticates, the you know coastal people about like you know like the brain damage that television brings on people and that just feels I mean it's obvious and it's true but it just feels a little dated I just it, it just feels like of its time in a bad way to me so I hope that wasn't his intention something so uh, sort of uh, pragmatic. That's not quite the right word. You know what I mean? Something so, um, uh, you know. Um, you mean it's just kind of like a? Is it? Is it just that it's kind of like? A, is it just a know. social critique? Like it sounds kind of limited to me. 
Right, surface level, you mean, kind of thing? That's what or? I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, I'm just saying, like, it seems unlike Mort- Marty to just have, like, this surface level, s- simple social criticism, you know, like, from mm. a one-to-one, like, uh, boy, t- don't we agree, TV really is bringing down our culture. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, it's a little prosaic to me. I, I don't know I, if I, I saw it in that, that way. Like I said, okay. it hit me. It, it sort of hit me tonight as more of, uh, yeah, people who do, you know, like like it, it kind of forecasted the 90s to me in a way where you see a lot of these kind of true crime celebrities, even Amy not Fisher. like, yeah, exactly, exactly. Or like that or like, yeah, Joey Buttafuoco, you know, all these people, you know, that would yeah. become such you know, celebrities based off of really stupid. So not petty, so much TV, crime. but tabloid. Tab, thank you, tabloid. Like it, it, it like I could, it, it hit me in a way that like he's now a tabloid sort of star, which that's is something dry. we do see. It just yeah. feels like uh, right. So unlike Marty to have something that's so sort of relatively limited about like look at this Maybe. social ill of tabloid, yeah, reality. I, I don't know. Who cares? But, it's, yeah. but, but it, it makes me it, it captivates my imagination to think that it that he's wanted to have it be this fantasy. Realm, it could be, though. It could be, though. you know, and it how it's be. shifting more into that. Anyway, I'm repeating myself, but just yeah. uh, no, I don't I know. I feel like I maybe know. like, you know, uh, since it's since it's Bob, I feel like maybe Marty didn't have like full ownership of it or felt that way. And that may be why no. that has like the movie has some flaws or something, you know, and, and I think that might be that could possibly also be why the message is a little bit. Like feels like off brand a little bit for him too is maybe because you know you just it, there's something there's something uh, I love this movie but there's something off about it for Scorsese for me and I, I that was my feeling when I found out that it was really De Niro kind of like bringing the script to him and like mm-hmm. and kind of asking him to do it twice that mm-hmm. I felt like uh, that maybe a- you know. Yeah, his heart wasn't in it or something, 100%. In fact, he, people ask him about it now, and he's like, I haven't watched it since it oh, came out, really? you know. Marty? And he said, I'm too embarrassed. Yeah, he says, he says he's you too know, embarrassed. You know, Mar- Marcus, I think I think what you're saying is um, what I'm feeling too. It's like I feel like maybe Marty was a little lost and adrift because he's still relatively young, and he just went like one, two, three, four, like huge things, huge films, huge flops, you know, and he, yeah. was, he was sort of spun out. And he and wanted to do Last Temptation of Christ. That was like, right. that's what he wanted to do. And then De Niro didn't want to do that, you know. And right. Like yeah, I know. Yes. Yeah. And, and so, it's, so. This is the Marty before Goodfellas, right? Where, I mean, like the, when things really all came together and then it's just off to the races right. for the rest of his career. And he just like, dialed in like where he's coming from. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For better or for worse. Yeah. Um, I don't yeah, know. Maybe so, but that makes it an interesting and kind of messy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, that, like that's it. what I'm saying. Like there's something about to me where it's like I would I don't know maybe I'm crazy I'd way rather watch this than Goodfellas any day of the week for me I know what you mean because it is it, it isn't perfect and it is such a bizarre idea for a movie and yeah the fact that there are no you know uh, redeemable characters or anything and it's this odd yeah. Phen- weird thing that exists in this man's filmography yeah. makes it way more interesting I, to me, you know. Definitely, and I know we've talked about After Hours, which is like one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. I know, I know, Evan. Maybe you're not so. If, I don't know Let's how you feel it. about it, but we'll, yeah, we, we should do it. Do it but yeah, we'll we do have it. to do it. Does, it, it is. Point. It is really yeah. interesting in light of this film too that he's like sort of stepping. He's like he's like he's sort of tepidly moving into comedy with this film, and yeah. then After Hours is like a full blown like dark comedy, like you know, and then very dark. Yeah. And then he doesn't yeah. really go back there again, I guess. No, but, I know. That's what's so interesting to me. Like, like otherwise he, he, you know, he has a comedic sense and it's, it's in, you know, yeah. good fellas and everything, oh, you know, it's but, all coming but back he didn't to me do now. A, he, he wanted to make documentaries too. He thought about, even at this point, he thought, I read that too. He thought about just like, I'm going to stop doing narrative movies and just do documentaries again. Well, like, he did the last his... waltz was right before or right around this time. Right. Or right before right, Raging right. Bull or, yeah, yeah. or, you know, so yeah, he was doing that. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a fascinating movie and it's a fascinating part of his career for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, Rudy, we got four minutes. Um, uh, but I could throw out just a, I don't know if there's a shape to this, but like the sure. middle of the film is really special to me, mm-hmm. which is all the office scenes of, of, of talking about growing cringe and tension. Yeah, uh, him great. repeatedly going to, to Langford's office. You guys want to talk about that? Yeah. My sure. thing was the, the, the landscape is what it's all I'm saying, and I'll shut up. The landscape is so antiseptical and so un little Italy and warm and 60s, 70s. It's so carpeted yeah. <laughs> yeah. and like like yeah. just like single monotone colored walls. Talk to me like like those office scenes. Yeah, it's amazing. Is that cork? You know, like it's it's great. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Good for <laughs> yeah. sound. 
good for sound. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's all awesome. It's so great that you get to like also. I That's do like stuff. No, it is. It's, it's great. And like I said, you really, you really do get to. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's just great to watch because you do get to see like you know I think a real slice of who Rupert Pupkin really is in a lot of those mm-hmm. scenes. And it is, it's desperate, it's cringe, it's sad, it's tragic, and it's disturbing, you know. And, and it yeah. works just, so it well. It goes up a notch. There's yeah, a nice a kind of rhythm to yeah. it because it's like every visit is going to get more uncomfortable and cringe and tense and and it does it delivers it's like and it goes all the way to of course the final result which is being pushed out of the room you know by like you know heavy you know security guards you know out the door but as he says i was not thrown out they walked me out you know excuse me distinction excuse me (laughs) god there's so much i want to talk about like how his um his comedy monologue it's pretty dark. Like it's all like vomit oh, and alcoholic yeah. dads. It's like whoa. The pain is just like on the surface. Yeah. Like that's actually what you really learn the most about him is his monologue. Yeah, I know. You know, isn't that creepy? I love that the demo tape that he makes too. You know, it's like so like so not what they wanted when they ask him to make a demo tape. You know. Yeah. For the, uh, yeah. And it's like he's a. Uh, it's like he's so clueless as to what they actually want. And then the, you know yeah. you mentioned the production design um, in that in that office is really interesting, and then the, the production design in his house has to be mentioned too. Oh, so those big cutouts and stuff, and one of what, the what an interesting choice! Like set pieces in film history are the cardboard yeah. cutout Liza Minnelli and uh, well Jerry Langford. It's such an interesting Brilliant. choice because it's like it, it does. It's not like the taxi driver's apartment, which is like so real and like this dingy, yeah, gritty. and like Rupert's yeah. supposed to be poor and lives with his mother, but he's got these. They really were just like, we don't need to go real. Like it's, it would serve the scene better if he had these giant well, cutouts and like no, a exactly. audience. Well, you know? well, here's the thing. No, Marcus, I'm so glad you're saying this because back to this, like the surrealism of King of Comedy, my last thing is just, um, yes, it seems plausible that he could have two cutouts and rehearse and practice by having, you know, like Liza here and initial. No, but then it gets weird where a thing that he, I'm sure, the does hallway. not have, which is this yeah. wall-sized, yeah. you know, like, like, like a photo montage or photo mural of an audience and then it zooms out to this like big empty yeah, that's space the shot. It's like an art gallery in Soho. Yeah. yeah. But what I'm saying and is that's he doesn't live there. That's not his place. No. That's not anywhere. That's his mind. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And I and yeah. I and I and I I got a shout out Brilliant. when I was in when I was in Berlin many years ago, over ten years ago, there was a Scorsese exhibit and they had recreated that exact hallway. Uh and it was oh, pretty sweet. Awesome. Take a picture. Uh, but that's yeah, awesome. oh of course. So I had to Bernard's apartment too is like that with all the candles and stuff yeah it's like a similar thing that's not like they couldn't really do that light like 100 200 candles or whatever you know no it's so amazing it's also like a, a vision shit. in her mind yeah, yeah. uh no, real quick i, I want to surrealism that's my last one. okay thank you because yes. i want to just dovetail one quick observation you made uh marcus which is about the demo tape um i think they nailed it in terms of a a true outsider somebody who yes. would who would who would really deliberately make all those choices to like make this own version of the show and to get really you know sort of you know mechanical and intense and weird and yeah, yeah. not even get what totally. they wanted and that's that, that's kind of nailing some like you know, private press outsider shit like exactly. way right. before DIY, DIY super eight man. horror movie. Yeah, right, yeah. totally. That's a so huge anyway. theme of this movie is inside critique of insider outsider on both sides. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Great ending what words a there. Movie. All right, awesome. All right, <laughs> what a movie. <clears throat> that was uh, one fucking hour on King of Comedy KOC. Um, Another one where an hour is not enough. I mean, a lot yeah, was left on the on the floor. You know, on the table, yeah. whatever the phrase is. Totally. Yeah, tons more to get into there, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad we finally got into it. We didn't explain at the top of the hour, but uh, shortly, or right before we did our Taxi Driver episode, there was a coin flip of if we were going to do Taxi Driver oh, right. or King of Comedy. And right. so Last now we summer. finally. <laughs> yeah, King of Comedy lost, but now we're finally getting around to it. So. Right. Now, um, can I say, mm-hmm. let's commit, guys, to after hours, maybe sooner than later. I'd like this. You know, like let's let's just follow through and do after hours like next month or something. Really? Okay. Right. Sure. And then I'm, we'll do I'm really fascinated. We'll do Kundu. No, Kundu. Marty. Kundu. I liked it. I liked it. I liked it. Wow. Marty. Kundu. I liked it. Fucking Christopher. Marty. That's the best line. Kundu. I know. It's the best. I liked it. I like it. <laughs> like, you wouldn't think I would. People don't like it. You know, like, uh, I, I watched Goodfellas a hundred times and never could do, but like, I it's liked so, it. 
it's so funny that like Christopher Moltisanti, like in his brain, in that like nanosecond of seeing Marty, thought like, "What's the thing I could say that would make him really happy?" I, right. You know, he, his head would cool turn. Dude. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah he he yeah. wouldn't. Don't don't say like, "Are you like, are you talking to me?" Oh, he's like Kundun because he's a bit of a cynist, Christopher. Right. Kundun. He's also a big fan of The Departed. <laughs> the yeah. Soundtrack. Soundtrack. Oh, right. The system has no balls, though. Yeah, right, right, right. God, right? Yes, I Christopher, Christopher must yeah. be a huge King of Comedy fan. I mean, he, he sort of indiscriminately likes all Scorsese. The character? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What? Uh, sure, yeah. Yeah, why not? He's got them all on DVD. Yeah, all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, let's talk about next week and get out of here. Um, all right, so we're back in action now. So the schedule's back alive. Um, we're in full mm-hmm. force here uh, in 2023. Uh, weekly next week, movies. Weekly movies. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> next week uh, is going to be an exciting one. We have a special guest returning uh, to the show after uh, it'll be a second time on the show. Our good friend Lars mm-hmm. Nilsson of the Austin mm-hmm. Film Society is going to be coming back. And we're going to be guys going going back you know we're, we're going to be going back into what is this 1960 is that when this movie came out 1960 yeah 1960 yeah. we're going to be doing our first igmar bergman y'all <laughs> yeah bergman, bergman. so not we're going to be man not bergman, bergman. <laughs> igmar yeah. birdman um we're going to be doing uh that's my new band <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. We're gonna be doing okay. one fucking hour on the Virgin Spring. I'm fucking excited about this guy's yeah. uh it's very gotta, interesting. Yeah. And, and I'm sure Lars was just, Lars is uh he put in a request, you know, and we, yeah. we, we went for it. So he'll have uh you know a lot of ammo I'm sure to bring and I, I can't wait to just observe and, and listen, know. you know, Lars's take on it. it sounds great. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to rewatch the movie. It's been a long time and you know, I Same. always you know, Bergman's the shit and I'm glad that oh, yeah. we're gonna be doing some more world cinema. We're gonna try and hit some more of those uh this year because uh you know I think we only got like one in there so far. Yeah, we're, we're leaving the country. <laughs> yeah, we're leaving the country. <laughs> Finally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well they shot part of Star Wars in England, so I think okay. that counts. Okay. I'll right. take it. Okay. All right. <laughs> so all right everybody. So next week uh is gonna be one fucking hour on the Virgin Spring with special guest Lars Nilsson. Um uh, but I guess that wraps it up for today. Uh make sure you're following us. Subscribe on the YouTube. Um follow us on social medias. Um, you know, at one number uh it's it's at numeral one fucking hour on Twitter or at one fucking hour on Instagram. Follow us, subscribe, do all that bullshit, and I guess we'll see you next week. But we can't let you go, and I'm very excited for what our look uh, who it very, is very on brand <laughs> moment of Zen is going to be this week. So uh, enjoy that, everybody. Same glasses. <laughs> yeah, right. I know it's insane. Uh, just like just getting off the set of King of Comedy. Um, okay, exactly. All right, everybody, enjoy, uh, definitely enjoy your moment of Zen, and we will see you, of course, uh, next week. Have a good rest of your week. All right, everybody, take care. So long. Later. Hello? Hi. Who is this? This is the fellow that's been staring at you all evening. Where are you? Right over here. Listen, I have a few ideas here as soon as you will. Okay, thank you. Never mind. Sorry, I rang the wrong apartment. Take this uh, gentleman that was. He had his hang-ups, though, and he had his hang-downs. So call me now! Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, self-deprecating. Is the right exactly? Is 